Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 39 to 45. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair or in a pew back in front of you or even on your phone. You could easily Google Luke 1, 39 to 45 and you'll have that come up pretty easily. The words will eventually be on the screen as well. But we want to just look at God's word very briefly tonight to be able to answer the question, why do we celebrate Christmas in the first place? So I want to ask you, as you're turning to Luke chapter 1, where do you find joy? In other words, where do you think this Christmas you will find joy? Are you going to find joy in the gifts? Are you going to find joy in the family together? Are you going to find joy in food, in the lights, the festivities? Where will you find joy this Christmas? Each year, as Thanksgiving passes, we are bombarded with commercial and scene after scene, promising joy, and yet every January, we get to what they call the Christmas blues, where we realize that Christmas in its commercialized form, fails to give us the joy it promises. So where are you going to find joy this Christmas? Because I submit to you tonight that that's the whole point of Christmas, is to give you a joy that satisfies the deepest longings of your heart. And to get there, here's going to be the guiding point I want us to hear. That Christmas is about Christ Jesus bringing joy to the world. That's the simple point. If you walk away with nothing else, I want you to hear that Christmas is about Christ Jesus bringing joy to the world. And so with that, let's go ahead and read our passage And as we do, would you just stand with me as we read this passage tonight? Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. Again, the the words are on the screen behind behind me if you don't have a tall person in front of you. Otherwise, you'll find, find it on your phone. Starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. To a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. This is an incredibly odd text, isn't it? 
in the midst of all of the traditional Christmas passages where you read about the the stable and Mary and Joseph and and no room at the inn, so they have to sleep out in the main out in the stable with the manger. When you hear of the the angel coming to Mary and the angel coming to Joseph and angel coming to Elizabeth, you hear and read all of these other stories, and in the midst of these stories, we find this odd story of great joy. If you start with Luke chapter 1, verse 1, you'll see that Luke is writing because he wants to ensure that there is an orderly account. He wants to make sure that we have an account that we can actually trust is true. And as we look at chapter 1, before this scene, we see that an angel comes and foretells the, the, the birth of John the Baptist. And then an angel comes to Mary and says, even though you're not married, even though you're just engaged, even though there's no immorality at all, you're going to be pregnant. And it's not just any baby. It is God's son, Jesus Christ. And as Mary hears these words, she rushes to visit Elizabeth. And then we see this odd scene that as Mary enters the house, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leaps for joy. Now, what's the purpose of all of that? I want us to see that tonight, that we too might leap for joy that Jesus Christ has come. And so to see this, we're going to look at three brief realities. The first reality is the entrance of joy. So get the scene in your head. Mary is just by herself, and an angel comes to Mary and reveals himself to her, and he starts to tell her, hey, you're going to become pregnant I didn't do well in science class, but I know that it takes more than just what the angel said, right, typically. And yet the angel is saying, you're going to become pregnant. It's with a special baby. Oh, and your relative, who is really, really old and has been barren all these years, is also going to become pregnant. So you can just imagine the scene going on in this moment. And And Mary is so intrigued that her response is twofold. She tells the angel, I'm the servant of the Lord. And yet when the angel leaves, she makes haste. Because she wants to see her distant relative, Elizabeth. And that's what we see. Look at verse 39 here. Luke writes that in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. Now, this wouldn't have been easy in a day without cars or planes or any other, you know, trains, any other fast transportation. They would have had to get on camels or walk in order to get there. And yet the moment Mary has this vision from the Lord is the moment she makes haste. She has to very quickly get to Elizabeth. And as she gets to Elizabeth... We see in verse 40, as she enters the house and she greets uh, Elizabeth, 
in verse 41, this odd thing happens. So again, I, I know some of us traveled maybe shorter distance, others further distance to, to get to see family. And anytime we get to travel to go see family, typically in the airport, it's this, ah, oh, there they are. And it's just a moment of who's going to rush the grandparents the first, either the grandkids or the kids, and, and get there and, and ready to embrace and ready to hug. And so you just get this scene that the moment Mary opens the door, she's filled with excitement. And the moment she begins to declare that she's there, notice what happens in verse 41. The baby leapt in the womb of Elizabeth. Now why? Because that baby, John the Baptist, knew that Mary's entrance isn't just a distant relative's entrance. That inside of the womb of Mary is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of of God that would come and rescue and give new life. And the only thing the baby could do is just simply leap with joy. Now, for those of you who have had babies, what do they do? They cry, they wiggle, they poop, they eat, and that's just about it, isn't it? And they do all of that instinctively. It's not like they're thinking and thinking, okay, right now, I would like a cheeseburger. Okay, so I'm going to communicate that. Just instinctively, they cry, and you, you, you have to figure out, what, is that a cry of changing the diaper? Is that a cry of food? And yet, in this moment, instinctively, this baby, John the Baptist, still in the womb, knows, knows that Jesus is coming knows that Jesus is here, and instinctively he jumps. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, there's great excitement because God is up to something. But what is it? That's what we see secondly. The end of joy. What is the end of this? What is the goal of this? What's the point of this? Well, look at verse 42. I love how Luke writes this. He says, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. If you have come home after being gone for a while, there's typically loud cries. Sometimes there's arms flailing in the air. I still remember spending an entire year living in Germany and coming home earlier than I told my parents to surprise them and ringing the doorbell and my mom opening the door and it took her a second and finally she was able to understand, ah, you're here! And we get that same picture from Elizabeth who knew that Mary too would have a special baby. And she exclaims, and notice what she exclaims. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She is saying, 
praise you. She's not seeking to venerate Mary and exalt Mary. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are still knowing the name and the story of Mary. She is declaring what you have done in receiving this promise, what you have done in believing this promise, and what is about to happen to you. Blessed are you among women. And more importantly, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then Elizabeth continues. And she begins to ask a question. Look at verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now we see the heart of Elizabeth's excitement. The heart of her excitement is that she knows this baby in the womb of Mary is the long-awaited Messiah King who is going to come. If you go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, shortly after humanity rebelled against God, there is a promise that the seed of a woman, a future seed, would come and would crush Satan's head and would give us eternal life. 700 years before this moment, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that there would be a king and a son to come. And now Elizabeth says, it has happened. And why should I be so privileged that you are here in my midst? She's filled with joy. Notice in verse 44, she begins to describe what has happened. And she says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I've never been pregnant. I know that that might be a shock. But I've also not really heard of pregnant women saying, Oh, my baby is jumping with joy at this moment. They might move around, they might kick, and yet there's something unique about what is happening here that Elizabeth knows as she, is, as she hears the greeting, as she is filled with the Spirit, she is able to make the connection that John understands that Jesus is there and she herself is full of joy. See, Elizabeth is full of joy because she understands that in this moment, the Lord Jesus is entering into their world. Do you feel broken at all? When you feel broken, how do you feel the world responds to you? Often you feel isolated, you feel alone. And yet in this moment, when we have rebelled against God, in this moment when we are broken and full of sin, in this moment that would repel most of us, Jesus actually comes and he enters in and he rescues 
and he promises new life by being born into human form. And in that moment, Elizabeth is delighted to see that the entire reason for the season is the fact that Christ the King has come, the perfect for the imperfect, the whole for the broken. The one who never sinned coming in a limited, the unlimited one coming in a limited form, living a sinless life, and then offering that sinless life for you and I, if we simply believe. And so Elizabeth says, why, why? Is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Church, that's why we celebrate Christmas. And my hope is that that's all of our responses. That we know ourselves well enough to say, why would the Lord come for me? And yet, we don't end there, because look at verse 45. Mary pronounces, or Elizabeth pronounces a blessing on Mary. And it's blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Church, there is a blessing when we believe the truth from the Lord. There is a blessing that comes when we believe what the Lord has said and take him at his word, we can receive that blessing for ourselves. That's what we see finally. We see the third reality, and that's the extension of joy. The extension of joy is this, that just as Mary took the angel at his word and believed that God the Son was going to enter her womb and that she would parent him and raise him and that he would someday give his life on a cross where the wrath of God would be poured out for the sin of all who believe. Just as she believed all of those promises pointing to Jesus and she believed that he would eventually rise from the dead. Now all of us who believe that this is no This is no regular season. This is no happenstance. This is the plan of God to send his son into the world to give his life for you and I. So now if we take Jesus at his word and trust our life to Jesus Christ, we too can have that full joy. And so friend, if you're here tonight, maybe you feel like you are drugged here by a family member. It is not a coincidence. I want you to hear the only joy you will ever have is if you turn from yourself back to Jesus Christ. And you give your life to Christ, believing 
that Christmas is the beginning. It's the beginning of life. It's the beginning of eternal life because the source of life entered our world and then gave up his life for us. And so I want to invite you tonight to just simply turn from yourself and entrust your life to Jesus Christ. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ tonight, I want to encourage you in the midst of the fun, in the midst of the family, in the midst of the festivities, do not forsake the heart of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ. Do not get so caught up in all of the other things that you forget the very reason why we gather, and that is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So I want to plead with you to talk with one another this season about the real reason of Christmas. If you have kids, parents, I want to encourage you this Christmas to not make it about the gifts, but to make it about the eternal gift found in Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us to just slow down and to be filled with great joy that the Savior of the world has come. And it is a down payment for the fact that he will come again in great glory to take us to be with him forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this season. Another time for us to just be reminded of our need for true joy. To be reminded of our need for a Savior. To be reminded of our need for something more than the gifts more than the food, more than the festivities, something that is lasting and abiding. And so I pray that you would help us tonight to see that. I pray that you'd help us tonight to understand that truth and that reality. And I pray that you would fill our hearts with great joy as we continue to worship you tonight, we pray. In your son's precious name, amen.